0: Hi everyone and thanks for joining us for this latest podcast from the Herbert Smith Freehills Pensions Practice. This is the latest in our series on pensions and ESG. In previous podcasts we've discussed the latest developments and trends in the pensions and ESG space with leading industry figures including most recently Ashley Hamilton Claxton, Head of Responsible Investment at Royal London Asset Management and Professor Ian Clature from the Centre for Greening Finance and Investment. You can find the previous podcast in this series on our UK pensions blog by googling HSF pension notes. I'm Mark Howard of Council in the Pensions team here at HSF and I'm delighted to be joined today by James Lawrence, Head of Investment Proposition at Smart Pension. James, thank you for joining me. Thanks Mark, great to be here. Before we get into talking about um, ESG investing, can I just ask a question about how Smart is responding to investments in Russia? The pensions regulator issued a statement last month reminding trustees to be vigilant and to take advice. And we've also seen Nest come out and state that it will be disinvesting from Russia. What steps are SMART taking about investments in Russia?
1: Yeah, it's a really great question. And and the topic is very much in flux at the moment as things change every single day. So we're having regular dialogue with our investment managers, I think is the most important thing to say about this. So we invest primarily in pooled funds. So we're slightly limited in the way that we can direct investment with our managers. We're speaking to them already. We have quite a lot of ESG tilting investments anyway, so they have tended not to invest large amounts into Russia, particularly into kind of oil and gas stocks. The kind of fallout was limited from that perspective in the first place. Where we've got active managers who aren't reliant on tracking indices, they've kind of got zero Russian holdings anymore, close to zero some have even got a kind of short exposure because they put some kind of derivatives trades on to actually have a negative exposure to Russia so for us yeah we, we've done as much as we can from a, a holdings perspective across across Russia and Ukraine what we're looking at now and looking into more depth is the, the whole supply chain and seeing how we are impacted there as well for example we don't want to be funding you know companies that have are building trucks that are then used by the Russian military or something that's a bit more indirect than, than kind of just a, a Russian uh, equity or a bond so yeah it's a bit more or secondary and tertiary um, impacts at the moment for us, we're looking into.
0: And I suppose, I suppose the, the key message there is, is to have that regular contact with your fund managers to about yeah what what they're doing.
1: Completely, yeah. I mean, they're, they're the experts in this space. They're the ones who've got the research teams and the resources and the, and the portfolio managers. Um, we need to do everything we can do from a fiduciary and trustee perspective. But yeah, yeah, keeping in regular dialogue and understanding their views is is really important.
0: Thank you, Jen. Turning more towards the ESG and the the new um, reporting requirements uh, which came in um, last year and obviously they apply first of all to master trusts um, and their their obligations to report in line with the task force on client related financial disclosures. They include requirements that trustees undertake scenario analysis and select metrics and targets. Now obviously due to the time of the regulations coming in and smarts year end it's still Some time, I think, before your the Smart Pension Master Trust will need to report. But how is the trustee preparation uh, gone along?
1: Yes, at Smart we don't have to report until January twenty twenty three, which is seven months after our June twenty two scheme year end. So we do have a bit of time, as as you say. We're we're preparing by we've we've done some work with our um, some auditors around our potential gaps or areas where we need to get some additional data or some resourcing in. We've also pulled together a draft TCFD report as well to help us highlight the areas where we need to, to strengthen or where we're doing well as well. So, um, I think we're reasonably comfortable with our TCFD reporting. We, we've kind of chosen our metrics. We've done some thinking around metrics um, and we're working with our advisors who are Hyman's Robertson as well for the investment s- space to, to kind of work out the best approach to, to all of this. So, yeah, we, we kind of I think doing a lot of the, the groundwork now ahead of asking
0: scheme year-end. And you mentioned there about um data, and we've heard also uh, a lot around in problems of having adequate ESG data, especially in certain asset classes. Yeah, What has your experience been of the quality of the data, and is it improving?
1: I think it is improving, yeah. So it, it seems to vary by vendor as well. And um, we see some vendors who seem to have a very robust data set and some vendors who kind of are less so. So it kind of depends on where you go for your data in the first place. Um, As you mentioned, it depends on asset class and I think also region, we're seeing emerging markets in particular, as you probably expect to some extent, with a bit less transparent when it comes to data and and reporting, particularly from companies and things like emissions as well in those areas. Yeah, so we're doing some work around which data vendors we use and how robust we think their data kind of capture is. But we think it is generally improving. We think in the next two to three years, it will will be in a a strong position data-wise as an industry.
0: I suppose, I suppose that's expected with new regulations coming in force. it takes a while to get to grips with them all.
1: Completely. Yeah, exactly. And it opens up opportunities for companies to kind of disrupt in this area, which we we've seen to some extent as well. Okay,
0: that's interesting. Sort of a... Last year, Smart announced it was uh, partnering with Make My Money Matter. Could you tell us a bit more about what that partnership involves and how what plans Smart has got for it to develop further?
1: Yeah, so... As you mentioned, we partnered with Make My Money Matter uh, last year and we found them a really excellent organisation um, for a number of reasons. I guess, firstly, the way they put these um, these kind of matters onto the front of people's minds is, is very different and strong and engaging. Um, and I think they've got a lot of impact with members as well, which is something we haven't seen to date. So it's a very, the campaigns they run are very, you know, help focus the minds for us as a provider um, because they help to, to kind of get that messaging across to members so we've currently got a net zero well before 2050 pledge. We're looking at the moment as to what that means in terms of well before and how far we can take our net zero stance. Make My Money Matters a kind of great resource for that because they've got lots of expertise and they're plugged into lots of various industry bodies. Interestingly, there's kind of the, the tangential work they do around things like deforestation. I'm sure we've all seen the recent commercials they're running in partnership with Sky in particular. That Again, really focusing the mind, focusing pension schemes to react to very important issues of the day so deforestation is an area that we've been working on for a few months now um, and doing some work behind the scenes to see how we can make sure that our, our funds aren't having a negative impact on forests around the world um, and yeah Make My Money Matter has been a really crucial resource to help us in that area.
0: You mentioned about how Make My Money Matter is very good at getting the message across to the members of, of the scheme. Um, Smart obviously has a very large membership sort Talk- of how do you take account of members' views when looking at your BSG policy?
1: Yeah, you're right. We've we've got close to a million members at the moment, and across a diverse range of of sectors and industries. Because we have a tech kind of basis to our to our company, and we're we're tech first when it comes to engaging with members. We use that avenue as much as we can to engage with members. So we we kind of do things like nudges on the app. We do mini surveys on the app quite a lot as well. We've got a great survey and user experience team here at SMART that really lead the way in a lot of thinking when it comes to user research and areas of, around ESG and climate change are kind of high on their agenda to tackle and tap into as well. Well, we'll be having a large member survey going out in the next couple of months around ESG topics. and We're hoping to reach as many of our nearly million members as we can. So yeah, it's mainly tech first as well. We've got a member webinar coming up, so a slightly more traditional route, I think which is coming up in the next month or so. You know, I think we get some great engagement from members and some great questions as well. So yeah, lots of different routes. And going forwards as well, when we've got, you know, we're looking at our investments every day, we're going to have some really interesting ideas. So the more we do on investments and the more interesting areas we invest in, such as social housing, I think the impact and engagement levels just will continue to rise.
0: So that's an interesting message there, that the, the way you go about it is lots of different sort of ways of to collecting that information from members their, their views on ESG
1: yeah yeah completely um yeah i think one size doesn't fit all i think we find that lots of really long surveys to members doesn't tick the box because they get bored quite quickly i mean we've all got lots of things competing for our, our time and resources um you know our members are obviously in that same boat as well so we, we tend to be lots of kind of mini one or two question surveys so we find that that really helps
0: yeah I read that one of your prizes for this year is going to be impact investing and looking at how that could be incorporated into your um, default fund. Now, I, I'd imagine the, the vast majority of your million or so members are going to be invested into, in the default fund. So that's going to be a very significant move. But what does impact investing mean for smarts and how are you going to go about trying to incorporate it into the default fund?
1: Yes, yeah, so, so you're right. So, we will be launching an impact allocation in our default, which is kind of close to 2 billion at the moment um, and we're just over 2 billion in total, so it makes up the majority of our investments. When it comes to impact, we think that, that you can make impact in a number of ways really. Firstly, is the, the kind of pure impact by investing in you know new technologies, by investing in things like social housing and affordable housing, by investing in kind of green infrastructure, things like tech for good as well so opening up bank accounts for example to people that have never had a bank account before I think that's a really pure impactful way of making a difference there's also we think ability to make impact via stewardship and engagement so you know I think there's a a bit of a discussion in the industry around whether you can make impact with with listed companies and we think that you can um, and we do that via strong engagement and using managers that are very heavy on stewardship uh, and make sure that their voice is heard so as well as the kind of pure impact funds that we'll be launching, we're also going to be launching some very strong stewardship and engagement funds because we think owning the future is, is really key to making an impact as well.
0: Okay. And that theme of stewardship has come through, I think, in some of our previous podcasts as well, the, the importance of actually being involved rather than just simply disinvesting.
1: Completely, yeah. I mean, disinvesting, I don't think our stance is probably too out there, but we, we want to. Yeah, we want to engage, we want to own, we want there to be nowhere to hide for these companies um, and disinvesting. Ultimately, you get to the lowest common denominator eventually and, and companies have somewhere to hide. So we use disinvesting as our last resort um, for the really the worst companies that are never going to engage and are doing some quite terrible things. We won't invest in the first place. And if they become those types of companies, we'll disinvest. But yeah, we, we kind of, we like the universal ownership type model and the stewardship and engagement model.
0: Yeah finally um obviously predictions can be very difficult but what do you see as the sort of key developments over the next sort of 18 months both of smart and esg investing more broadly
1: yeah and no, a notoriously difficult area to predict to be honest but we've we've seen this from the ipcc reports that have come out recently we think that we need to as an industry go further and faster than ever before i think across the industry we're still struggling with the issue of fees which is kind of quite debilitating when it comes to investing in, in impact and, and certain areas that are really going to move the dial um, on ESG and climate change. So I think partly I think there'll be more transparency hopefully going forwards around fees because that'll be key to how we drive fees down, what what members are spending their money on. So we are quite keen to drive transparency as well. We want to drive you know how much we're spending on administration and our tech platform and how much we're investing in investments. We hope that'll start some interesting conversations and help to drive interesting ideas i think that continuing that push with members would be critical as well because ultimately we see everything being driven by members because members drive engagement which drives clients to do things so making sure that members engaged with where their money's going and again make my money matters a really useful resource for that because they are at the crux of these discussions with members and making an impact with members and yeah i think just impact in general is going to be high on the agenda how you measure impact how you report on impact how you demonstrate impact. Um, I think we're all trying to do the right thing in this industry. I, I think greenwashing is getting called out but we need to go a bit further and faster with, with calling it out in particular. And I think yeah kind of impact reporting and impact monitoring will, will help to do that.
0: Okay so clear a lot going on over the next 18 months or so.
1: Yes no it's an exciting time I mean I've only been at Smart for kind of seven eight months now and it's it's been a, you know, a really great journey so far and we've got some really exciting things in the pipeline.
0: Okay well maybe we can revisit those again in a future podcast. Definitely, be happy, happy to. Thank you. Um, that brings us to, to the end of today's podcast. Uh, many thanks to James and we hope you all enjoyed listening. If you want to be notified about future episodes in this series, subscribe to our blog or via the Herbert Smith Freehills channel on Spotify, iTunes or SoundCloud. If you have any questions or feedback, please don't hesitate to get in touch with one of us or your usual Herbert Smith Freehills contact.